Welcome to Becoming Referrable, the podcast that helps you become the kind of advisor people can't help talking about. I'm Julie Littlechild, and today Steve and I are speaking with Catherine Laiola. We love having advisors on who are doing things just a little differently, and Catherine is no exception. Catherine is the CEO and founder of Concentric Private Wealth, and it's a firm for which behavioral advice really sits at the center of all of the work that they do. And we chat with Catherine about her business and her journey, but we also focus on how she's built and is continuing to build a powerful personal brand and platform. Catherine is an educator, a speaker, a podcaster, a writer, and of course, a financial advisor. So we get deep into how and where she has invested her time to become a great speaker, as well as how she gets her message to the world through podcasting, videos, and writing. In my opinion, what's so important about Catherine's message is the need for intentionality to succeed in making all of this happen because none of it happens by accident. It all takes training, effort, and of course, a willingness to get it wrong. And with that, let's get straight to the conversation with Catherine. Well, Catherine, welcome to the Becoming Referrable podcast. So good to have you here. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am excited to have you. I talked to Catherine so many years ago. I think uh, a coach we were both working with uh, put us together for um, yes. at the time. And um, I interviewed you quite a few years ago based on some things that you were doing in your business then. So it's really kind of exciting to talk to you about how things have have changed. But um, before we just jump into your business and, and what you're doing, can you just uh, maybe give a quick introduction to to the business for our listeners? Of course. So Concentric Private Wealth, we are a comprehensive wealth management firm. We do have a focus in investment management as well as in comprehensive financial planning. Where we're unique is that our value add really comes in with our expertise in behavioral advice. And so what that really means is when we are working with our clients, what we're really wanting to first and foremost get to the bottom of is what is important to our clients. That sounds very simple in a lot of ways, but what we have found is that most people haven't actually been able to hold the space for themselves to really connect with what's important to them and to understand why have they been making the decisions that they're making. So we like to, when we're first working with our clients, to really spend a lot of time helping them understand who are they, what's important to them, and to really be able to hold this space so that they can begin making decisions that are aligned with what's most important to them. So um, it's interesting. When you talk about holding the space, you mean sort of you just giving them the time and the space, going deep and making sure that they answer these questions. Is that what you mean by that term? Holding the space, yes, is about making the time, but it's also about providing the infrastructure and the leadership to help them be on this path so that they can reflect, that they can question, that they can consider things that maybe they just either haven't thought of before or that they've heard of but they haven't spent the time on. 
anything from why are they living in the neighborhood that they're living in? Why do they choose to purchase the type of home that they have? Why are they in the jobs that they're in? Why are they not doing some things? Why are they doing doing some things? So this doesn't happen in just one conversation. It's about holding the space conversation after conversation after conversation with leadership along the way so that it's not just empty conversation. Okay. And, and, and Catherine, can you help us understand how that informs the financial planning uh, process that you take them through and their decision making? So how, how, is that, um, how is that different from just a more superficial treatment of, you know, so what are your goals and let's do some planning from there? Well, it's an interesting thing because in the world of financial services, being an advisor all of these years, I've come to realize it's such a privilege to be able to be on these journeys with our clients. I've also come to realize that most of us don't actually know how to truly answer the question, when do you want to retire? Do you want to save for your kids' education? What's your risk tolerance? And the reason that we don't actually know how to answer those questions is because we've been programmed, we've been wired from the time that we were little kids with how we're supposed to answer those questions. And most of us don't actually even realize that. So when someone says, when do you want to retire? It's very common that we're going to be able to get an answer. But is that answer meaningful to that person? And that's what we are really excited about at Concentric Private Wealth is to be able to help the client be able to provide a meaningful answer to these questions so that when they start making these new decisions, that it's actually going to provide them fulfillment. Because if we look at things such as levels of happiness, one of the groups where we see declining levels of happiness is actually people when they first retire. And that's significant. And when we start exploring and unraveling what's going on in that group as well as other groups, we really can begin to see research supporting that we're not making decisions that are aligned with what's most important to us or with what our needs are. It's having to do with all of the noise around us. Yeah. And Hmm. this this might, what you just talked about might answer this question, but um, I know you were on one of the very first 40 under 40 lists. Is, was it the inaugural list with Investment News? It was. And look at you. Wow. <laughs> one of the original wow. 40 under 40. But uh, what I was going to ask you is what do you think makes your business stand out? Is it what you're just talking about now? Or do you think there's there's something different that really sets sets you apart and got you recognized in that way? I think there's two main things that at first glance set us apart, but I think there's a third thing too that is also very important, which I'll touch upon in a quick moment. First two things is one is we really value comprehensive financial planning. And I say that and put a lot of emphasis on that because financial planning has become something that has a very good marketing play associated with it. Almost every firm offers financial planning, but they don't. And that's not a knock. It's more just to recognize that financial planning is now something that has a lot of loaded connotations with that and that the consumer, the client, doesn't really get that full financial planning experience. What they often get are questions with fill-in-the-blank responses that don't have a lot of meaning 
or layers of important numbers associated with them. And so the financial planning experience doesn't actually become very comprehensive, even though it's been marketed to someone that way. And so at our firm, we actually do make that truly at the core, and that makes a massive difference in people's lives. Two is this behavioral advice component, which that's something that's very unique to us. That's also increasingly become something that has a good spin to it in terms of how it can be marketed, if you will. And we're seeing that more and more being brought up at firms throughout the country. With that said, it's something that we've spent time, we've invested time, we've invested money in really having an expertise in that so that we can help the client actually take new steps forward and that we are really about having that client live a fulfilling life and not one that is defined by what financial success is supposed to be because we don't believe the way it's defined at a very large macro level necessarily is meaningful for every person. The third thing is, unfortunately, there are not a lot of women advancing in senior roles. And I think something that is unique about Concentric is that it was founded by me. It was founded when I was six months pregnant with my first child. I've gone on to have two more children, so I have three children. And I think we are showing how it can be done and being able to show a path for women who want to advance in this career and hopefully showing this to men who are having women come into their firms to be able to create a path for them because our industry is not serving women and not serving families in the way that it can. And that needs absolutely to change. And so one, speaking up about that, also doing the work and taking the action to show how it can be done. And also speaking up in the industry to be able to question things like how fees are set up and how people are being treated is not something that we're silent about. And that's something that, whether we want to call that disruption, whether we want to call it really making it at a higher level, those are things that we want to make a difference around. Well, we could do an entire episode on what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, However, yeah. <laughs> I, I, ha- I want to make sure, and maybe we should, because you're, I mean, you're just sort of opening up so much. But one of the reasons that I really wanted to make sure um, we talk to you is because I think you're doing some really unique things around what I'd refer to as sort of building your personal brand as an educator, as a speaker, as a podcaster, as a writer. It's not an easy path, but it's one that A, sets you apart and can be incredibly rewarding personally and for the business. And so what I thought would be really interesting is to get quite granular so that advisors understand Uh, what's being done. So maybe I'll just start at the highest level, though. I use the term personal brand. Is that actually how you would describe the strategies that you're using? I think that's a good way of describing it. I don't know if I have a better way to describe it right now, but I do think it's very important for every person to have their personal brand uh, show up in some way or another so that they are more attuned to knowing how they're developing. It's very easy to lose our identities, whether we're working for a large firm, a small firm, or even if we have our own firms, that we can get lost in the identity of the firm and forget who we are. Yeah. And, and we could also use platform building, I guess, as, as another mm-hmm. way to describe this. It's about 
you know, you, I like that. Yeah, you know, you're using uh, the stage and podcast and 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 writing to really get get this important message out. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's also too about connecting with what makes us unique. And for me, it just happens to be that I have this creative spirit and love the idea of sharing my voice through stages, whether that's a big stage that I'm standing on or whether that is having more of a virtual stage like podcasting or writing on a blog. So there is this personal brand piece. There is this platform piece. There's also this part of just being able to express who you are in a way that's very natural and special to who you are. And for me, it just happens to show up in these ways of podcasting and writing and speaking. And, and Catherine, can you tell us a little bit, if you want, to the extent that you know it, you know, what, why is that important to you? Why, why is it important that you get your message out that way? So for me, I don't know, Steve, if I can answer exactly why it just started happening now, but since the time I was a little girl, I have loved being able to use my voice. And what I do know is while over time I have used my voice in a number of ways, I also have held back significantly, especially as my professional life continued. And there's that's another whole podcast in itself as far as self-doubt <laughs> and not thinking I was good enough and all those different things. But I think the big piece here is something that I was naturally born with was a gift to be able to use my voice and that I get an excitement about that. For someone else, it might be a gift with using their hands, whether it be with cooking or fixing machines or inventing something. For me, it just happens to be that I have a unique gift with having a comfort, but also an excitement about using my voice. And with that, of course, comes a responsibility, which I didn't really recognize as much until later in my life but of listening to people and also honing my craft and so forth. And that's been something that I think is really important, whether someone is an advisor, whether they're serving in another part of the financial services industry or really any industry. Well, I think you raise an important part or point, excuse me. And that's why I wanted to talk a little more deeply about each of those components, because honing your craft, as you say, is really the critical part, right? It's not just, oh, I think I'll be a speaker tomorrow or a writer tomorrow. There is a, there's an intensity in terms of, of becoming the best that you can be in, in all of those areas. So I'm going to talk about those individually, but maybe we could sort of start with the end and ask just what, what impact would you say the, these kinds of activities have had for you personally and for your business and, and maybe for your clients separately, however you think about that? Sure. Big question. So personally, I really started putting myself out there in this space a little over two years ago. And it started with actually one of my sisters who's in the creative space and said something to the effect of, my family calls me Katie, says something to the effect of, Katie, you just need to start. If this is something that you're excited about, you just got to start. It's not going to be perfect. And there's always been this part of me that likes things to be in order, to have them be at an excellent level. It's something that for me, I think has held me back in many ways because I've always wanted it to be at the best possible 
level that it can be if I'm going to put something out there to the community. But we have to realize that things are only going to get better when we're actually doing the work. They're not going to just get better by us reviewing, 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 and more reviewing. We have to put it out there so that we can get feedback and also just to see how it is alive. So I started a little over two years ago as far as putting my voice more out there, separate from me just speaking to people that were within the financial services industry. And that started with videos to our client base. And there is one thing about putting together a video that you are going to share with family and friends. There's another thing about putting it out to clients where all of a sudden you're not getting that initial feedback and you put it out there and it's like, okay, so what do people think? Are people even opening it? And how many takes did it take? And do you get the right lighting or did you say the words right or anything like that? So starting those videos and doing it with more of a small step versus a large step helped me getting helped me become more comfortable with just getting the messaging out there it also helped me become more comfortable speaking to a camera and making sure that i was speaking to someone who i was thinking about on the other side of the camera so that the videos were not empty and that then soon turned into where I was beginning to get feedback of, we would love to see you in this light with even less formality, which is where my Financial Fitness Friday videos started coming in on a weekly basis. And then with those Financial Fitness Friday videos is where all of a sudden I really started falling into my own cadence and realizing, you know, I've been having this high level of formality for so long in this industry without even realizing it. And that's partly because of this expectation of how women are supposed to show up. And that was something that I also was able to unwire a little bit, which has then helped me step into my own brand, if you will, or build this new platform where I can give away all of this information and value for free. And that is part of who I am. And that's been able to help me build a larger platform too, because I'm able to help more people, but the people who do work with us, we're able to go to an even deeper level because they're getting a sense of who I am before they actually even start working with us. And that's important. And can you, uh, Catherine, can you go a little bit further into, uh, you know, what you just said about, you know, um, questioning or, 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 or realizing how, how women show up. I'd, I'd like to learn more about that. Sure. So there is in the financial services industry at a very high level, there's been you know, jokes in the past of the Navy blue, the black and the gray suits at conferences. And part of that's because there have traditionally been so many men traditionally so many white men and older men, and that's been often the, the uniform of the industry. There hasn't been a lot of flair. There certainly has not been a lot of color, whether that comes in terms of what people are wearing or the colors of people's skin. And for many people, including myself, there has been this message, not that it's been necessarily a loud and direct message, but yet in many ways still loud and direct, that if you want to succeed, this is how you need to act or be. Sure. And yep. okay. I subscribed to that without even realizing it. And because I had subscribed to that and fell into that trap for a little while, while it did bring me some temporary success, 
it also held me back significantly because I wasn't leaning into completely who I was. It was off brand for me without even realizing it. And by having this space to be able to get into videos and podcasting, I have found that by just being me, leaning more into who I am, clients are resonating so much more as our prospective clients because they see a human and they see someone who has messed up and they see someone who is trying and being very timely with what's going on in the world as opposed to let's talk about asset allocation for the millionth time in the same way that it's spoken about for 30 (laughs) years. Not that asset allocation is not important, but let's actually talk about what's behind the importance of financial planning and investment strategy and not just call it with industry jargon. Let's actually talk about things such as what happens when we're in a period of COVID-19 and expenses change, but then you got to direct money in other ways, or you're feeling empty inside because you're not connecting as much. Like, What do all these things have to do with financial planning? They have to do so much with financial planning because at the end of the day, we need to have clarity about what's important to us and we need to have clarity about where our money is going. Those two things are things that most people don't spend a lot of money or time on. The focus has often been on just performance, performance and more performance, but performance is really an empty measure of how well someone is doing. The, I mean, you're talking about something that is I think one of the most critical pieces of succeeding with a with any kind of platform building, which is that we'll call it authenticity. Um, you know, for many of us, I think we got here uh, just because we aged, and then you just get tired of being anybody else, right? Like it almost <laughs> in a different way, and yet to you know to succeed in any of these things, I think it's exactly where where you need to start. I'd love to ask you more about these, the videos. So you're, uh, you're currently doing still a a weekly video. I am financial fitness Friday, every Friday. And typically they're somewhere between two to three and a half minutes. Okay. How can you tell us about your process and pulling that together and making it happen? I'm not sure if I'm going to be the model person for how this looks because but it'll be real. Yes. The, the advice that I've been given, be that is true. The advice that I've been given by so many people has been create these videos, create four to six videos at a time. And that way you're not having to think about them and you just put them up there. And I tried that for a little bit. When I say a little bit, like a very short little bit, but What I found is my heart was not really in it because the idea behind the videos is that it's more about following on a journey. And the journey that I'm having to really be able to use as my guide for these is my own journey. And so some of the videos are not going to resonate. And not all the videos are about my own journey. It's more about... It could be something that's very generic, but they have been inspired by things going on in my life. And that's important to me because I do have a lot of things going on in my life. You know, I I have a spouse. I've got three little kids. I have a husband who has chronic autoimmune issues. There's just a lot of things. And then we take 
big topics such as what's going on in our world right now with COVID and all of the needs to speak up about racial inequality that's happening in the United States as well as throughout the world. These are things that to me all still play a role. And with the videos, I actually record them one to two days before they actually go live. So it's something that usually takes me 15, maybe 30 minutes if it's something that is going to be more of a personal topic and I am trying to work through them. And to be completely honest, I have very little capacity in my life right now just with the three little kids and especially with childcare not being part of the equation right now due to COVID that will change when everything is opening back up again. But I am not going through an editing process. Uh, my editing process is having somewhere between three to 10, maybe 15 takes of me finding the word that I want to use. <laughs> and then yep. it's posted. And I think that's part of the win that works with people because yes, there is not a lot of ums or things like that during it because they are short videos, but they're real. They're not things that have been put through a PR or marketing department to make sure that they sound exactly perfect. And that is something that has been a win. What's interesting is I get messages from these videos often from men in their 40s and 50s. And not when I've shared that with people in the past, they're like, oh, yeah, okay, well, tell me about those messages. And it's like, no, there's nothing inappropriate. <laughs> what I found is that, and this says something a lot about our culture, that there, these videos resonate with women, but they'll share with me. But with the men who share with me is that they won't share these messages in a public comment. And they're not sharing these things with their smaller communities, their, their groups of friends. We have not, as a culture, as a society, been able to create enough space for people in their 40s and 50s, as well as in other age demographics, to be able to say, I'm not happy, or I've got the house, I've got the kids, I've got the car, and I don't, I don't like my life, or how do I change? I've had all this success. What do I do now? And being able to create these videos has been able to create this domino effect of people being able to ask themselves some questions with some structure around them. And are you putting those out just primarily hmm. on social media or just sending to your clients? How do you go about that? So these are all put out on social media now. And the purpose behind them initially was really just to not actually be something around client acquisition. They were really my means of being able to support the greater community of people who I may not ever come in contact with. And that was completely okay. And that's still the primary purpose behind them. At this point, since it will be almost two years and another uh, few weeks, is about finding that greater voice of what has resonated with people and how do I deliver deeper value. And so that what I've been able to receive as feedback from these is actually what's going into me creating a training program that will be accessible to people who may be our clients, but also may never be our clients in the traditional sense of working with a client in a financial planning experience, but to be able to help teaching people how they can start implementing some of these things on their own. Interesting. Interesting. So you, besides your um, 
besides your weekly videos, you also do uh, speaking as, as part of your uh, portfolio. And so what are your goals around that? And, and where do you speak? And, and how do you engage audiences? So speaking is something that I haven't done as much as I expect I will be doing over the course of the next few years. So in the past, I've spoken at conferences within the industry, especially within the world of financial advisors that I know. Uh, I haven't been flying to conferences all over the country, for example, to speak. But what I really find myself enjoying is being on that stage and connecting with the audience while providing value and speaking on topics that are helping people lean into the best version of who they are. And that's something that I have found there to be a lot of need for, especially in the world that we're all in as we're helping guide people on this really important journey of life with these financial dynamics that we're helping them with. So that's a piece that I have been increasing in, increasingly doing more of, although of course that's changed a little bit with everything going on with COVID, but that will be something that will be re-engaged. But that's also why I've been recording a lot over the last three months for the podcast so that there is a place to be able to continue to share stories, to be able to deliver value, to really be able to create that pause that all of us need so that we can have that personal reflection and figure out what that next small step is and the step after that and so forth. And you, you know, I mentioned earlier about, um, you know, we don't wing it when it comes to to speaking and whatnot. Um, I know no. you participated in heroic public speaking with Michael and Amy Poor. We actually had Michael on the podcast at one point. Awesome. Can you tell us about that uh, sort of process and program that you went through to ensure that you were honing your craft? Yes. And Michael and Amy, I could not say more amazing things about both of them as humans as well as coaches in the space of speaking. And what I found, I had signed up for their program. I went through their undergrad and grad program, and I'm now part of Ensemble with them. And it's been one that's delivered so much value, not just in the form of speaking on a stage, but also when it comes to conversations and even writing, because it's been able to help me really understand how am I serving the audience? And the audience, again, whether they are sitting in seats while you're speaking from a stage or whether it's on the other side of a podcast or whether someone's reading a book. But ultimately, how am I serving the audience? Because any message that we're delivering, it really needs to be in service to the people that you are speaking to. And that's been able to help me really refine the message that I have so that it's a message that can be well received. It's also been one to help me really recognize how important it is to do the work in order to be prepared as well as to be alive with the work. There's one thing to be able to recite something because you've memorized it. There's another thing to live it and to make it engaging so that you can fill people's souls and get them excited about what you're talking about. If we're not excited about what we're speaking on, how is the person who's listening to us, one, going to actually be able to listen, much less actually receive the message that you're trying to share with them? And if we're trying 
to share this message, hopefully it's a message that really does have importance. Otherwise, maybe that's part of the problem in the first place, that we're speaking about something that we're actually not connected with. So Michael and Amy have done a really great job of helping me really refine of what is the message that is the one that I want to be delivering so that I'm really centered on what's most important to me as opposed to delivering this message that someone else told me was important, but I don't really have any connection to. And I think that's true, whether that's, you know, a career goal that we're pursuing, whether that is how we're engaging with our clients and meetings, or whether we're speaking from a big stage. So that's been one. It's also been able to help me understand looking at the approach in a diversified manner as we would with portfolios and that it's not just about the word choices or focusing in on the thread the the message that you're trying to get through but it's also about practicing your vocals and having breathing techniques to be able to calm yourself when you're nervous and to be able to have fun with it. Like one of these exercises, which anyone who has kids who's listening might resonate with, I have a five-year-old son and this kid is just one of those kids that, my gosh, he never needs anything that involves money. And being an advisor in the world of finance and money, sometimes I try to think of like, okay, how can I go take him for fun experiences that cost money? But at the end of the day, the kid likes to play with trucks. And so one of the exercises that Michael and Amy had me do is to play cars with him, but to make so many different sounds just to be able to have this practice of being able to use my voice at different pitches and practice on inflection points. And so this element of being a kid again, but doing it in your real life, for me, having a little kid was a way to be able to practice it and incorporating my family in this new space that I'm going into just made everything more approachable, but also more real as opposed to this is how it has to be done and this is how everyone else does it, so you have to do it this way. They've really been able to help me lean again more into who I am and that has then helped me deliver a message that's more in service to people who are interested in the message that I have. So it sounds like it's, I mean, would you say that the resources that that are available at Heroic Public Speaking aren't just for those who say, well, I want to be a professional speaker. I mean, and, and I know my message. It sounds like you don't even, you wouldn't even feel like you had to have that message honed before you go in there. No, it, it's honestly, I think their program is for anyone who has a fire inside of them, who wants to be able to share it with others around them and is serious about taking that to another level. So it's not necessarily a program for someone who is wanting to just share it, let's just say, with their immediate group of friends. While that's also important, there's an investment that goes into being part of the community. But if someone's wanting to use it in a professional capacity, I very much look at this as a way of furthering your education while also developing yourself. And so, I mean, there's 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 so much other stuff that you do, and we'd love to, to dig into some of that. But <clears throat> just in the interest of time, you know, but you you have media appearances, you have a podcast, you have all these different things going on. How how let's let's bring that back to um, to concentric. How has that affected? Uh, your business and how has it affected uh, how people uh, refer you and talk about you? 
So a couple of different things. One, for anyone who's interested in getting into media as well as to putting yourself in the community of podcasting or writing or speaking, it's to know what the first and foremost intention is. For me, it was not actually about client acquisition. For me, it was about leaning more into who I was to be able to be of service more to the communities that I was defining based on the work that I was doing and freeing myself from a metric of I need to bring in clients by X particular date. And I only share that because I've had a lot of people ask questions where there's an expectation that, okay, your client acquisition number should have increased by this amount or this amount uh, because you're doing all of this stuff. And that is something that I think can actually hold us back from being the best that we can be at our crafts. So I've actually taken, it's only been approximately two years, but I've actually taken the last two years to make first and foremost, the focus being about getting better at the work that I'm doing and delivering value as the primary focus, as opposed to client acquisition. Now with that said, the client acquisition piece has certainly been positively impacted because people have been able to get a sense of who I am, but have also been able to get a sense of what Concentric's about because they have access to so many different videos as well as words that have been written. So it's not this, well, should we trust you with all of our money and big financial planning decisions because someone referred us to you? Or can we trust you because these people have said great things and we've also seen consistency from what you've been sharing? That's what we have found is that when we get referred someone that they've gone to, yes, our website, but they've also checked out typically at least three to five videos. It may not necessarily be a ton, but usually at least three to five videos to get a sense of what is this person's vibe and what is the tone that they're all about. That's also been able to help put people in a different direction. You know, if someone's wanting a more transactional experience in terms of day trading or looking at the hottest stock that's out there, we're not the right fit for them. And that's okay. But being able to not have as long of an engagement period of dating in the beginning, if you will, to figure out if we're the right fit has been minimized because we already have so much content out there that people are able to check out who we are. So um, you you mentioned the podcast. Just what's the name of the podcast? Because that's quite new, right? Yes. Yeah, so it actually doesn't launch until the end of this month. We've been recording uh, over the course of the last few months. It's called Growth Ignited. And what it is is actually an interview-style podcast where I am interviewing senior people in the space that they're in. So they are either entrepreneurs who've had a high level of success. They could be an athlete at the professional level or perhaps an Olympian. They are people who are senior in their careers uh, that have made an impact. They're also people who have led movements. And the stories is, yes, where we celebrate success, but almost more importantly, what we're celebrating are the pivots that they've made along the way as well as the learning opportunities. And the idea behind this is so that we are helping people connect 
with being able to take a new step forward and to lean more into who they are while celebrating that this is not a path about perfection. It's a path about progress and truly being the best version of who we each can be. Wonderful. And and where can, uh, where can our listeners learn more about the podcast or you? What's the best place to go to? So they can check out our website, concentricpw.com. There will be a link to the podcast on that shortly in the next couple of weeks. Growth Ignited will be on all podcast uh, forums in terms of for people who are wanting to subscribe. And then for videos, while you can check out the link on our website, you can also go to social media platforms on LinkedIn, Catherine Liola, as well as on Facebook. And then we will have a podcast website set up, but that is not up until the end of the month. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. Awesome to talk to you. Yeah. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you, Julian and Steve. Great talking to you both. Hey folks, Steve again. Thanks for joining us on Becoming Referrable. If you like what you've been hearing, please do us a favor and rate us on iTunes. It really helps. You can get all the links, show notes, and other tidbits from these episodes at becomingreferrable.com. You can also get our free report, Three Referral Myths That Limit Your Growth, and connect with our blogs and other resources. So until next time, so long.